Our scripture lesson today comes from the Exodus story, chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. Let's share in God's good word together. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone, and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You have the potential to change the world. That's right, you really do. You have the potential to change the world. But we can change the world only by changing ourselves. Robert Quinn in his book, Deep Change, writes, Responsive organizations need responsive people. And then he wrote, Excellence never lies within the boxes drawn in the past. Hear that. Excellence never lies within the boxes drawn in the past. We can't go backwards. Our sermon series is called Starting Over. Starting over sounds like going back. And starting over is important. We need to start over. But starting over is not going backward. Starting over is learning and moving. Learning and moving forward. Learning and moving forward again and again and again. But the starting over, or deep change, as Quinn puts it, requires us to suffer the risks, to become vulnerable and be risk-takers. The people of God in the Exodus story represent all of us at some point in our lives. We wander, we get lost, and God comes to save us. And of course, we panic at the way God chooses to save us. But God comes to us anyway. And that's good news. After a while, the terror of this change, well, it turns to faith. And God's people start over again and again. You and I can start over here and now, right here today. And one day, we may learn how to get lost with confidence. So we can wonder and not worry that God is at work, even in our wandering, even when we can't see it. So let's take a walk together, starting over, moving forward in faith. So as we get going, starting over, we're not going backwards, we're going Forwards. And last week, as we started this sermon series, we looked at week one that starting over is also not leaving. Will you say that, over, say that with me? Starting over is not leaving. It's not giving up. It's not throwing up your hands. It's not exasperation. It's an intentional starting over. And at our best, we're listening and letting God lead us and call us into that starting over. Their early desert father said it like this. Father Anthony did. He said, in whatever place you live, do not easily leave it. And then the desert fathers would go on and they would say to those who came to them, the reason you don't leave is because your demons will simply go with you. Things like anger and greed, they follow you wherever you are. So moving to a new neighborhood or moving to a new home or moving to a new school, that may or may not help you. Because what's most important is what's going on within you, not what's going on around you. So this starting over that we're talking about, it requires accepting the truth of the situation, even if it's unpopular, even if it's difficult, even if other people don't believe it. We have to get to the truth because it is the truth that sets us free. In Jeremiah 29, it says this, For thus says the Lord, Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you. That was super unpopular. Think of this. If somebody said, hey, I've got some good news for you, but it's not going to happen for 70 years. Well, friends, I'm 53. That, 
I'm not going to see that 70 years from now. And neither would they. And they knew that. So when God says, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, that was really hard news. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. It's good news, but not for them. It'll have to be for their children or their grandchildren. And so for us, when we have a hope, our starting over is an act of hope. It's something we participate in. And our hope is in Jesus, in God's good time. Our salvation comes through Jesus, and we wait, and we pray, and we listen, just like those first folks in the book of Acts chapter 2 as they wait on the Holy Spirit to come. We wait and we listen for what God has to say to us today, and then we move forward in God's time. So in Jeremiah 29, 11, he doesn't just leave us for those 70 years. He, he throws out some hope to us. He says, listen up, friends, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm to give you a future with hope. And hope does not disappoint us. We hold on to hope for ourselves, for our children, for our grandchildren, and for the hope of the world that we find in Jesus Christ, our Savior and the Savior of all the world. And so this timing, this God's timing is perfect. Paul writes to the early church in Rome, he says, for while we were still weak, while we were still sinners, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God's timing is perfect. Uh, There's an old saying that God may not show up when you want him, but God's always right on time. When we're looking at this hope last week, um, we referenced a book called Hope Rising. And it says this, Hope is the belief that your future can be brighter and better than your past, and that you actually have a role to play in making it better. Yes, God calls us forward, and God asks us to do our part, and we trust God to do God's part. And that's when faith really shines. So this week, friends... We are moving on in our hope and remembering that starting over is not going back. It's simply starting over. I love the way Dr. Henry Cloud puts it. He says a second chance is not a repeat of the first chance. No, hopefully you've learned some things after that first chance. So a second chance is not a repeat of the first chance. Starting over is moving forward to something new. And it's really important when you look at your relationships, when you look at your job, when you look at your circumstances, where you live, all those sorts of things. Before you just get up and go, you have to think, what's different this time? How is this going to be any different? Because, friends, this is really important that you hear this. There must be something new and different in order to move forward rather than backward. If if there's nothing new and different, you're just going to repeat the course. You're just going to do it over again. So again, Dr. Cloud puts it like this. He says, if everything's the same, you are repeating what already has been. And there is no reason to think that the outcome will be different. Dr. Cloud has seen thousands and thousands and thousands of patients now in his practice and therapy. And he sees this over and over again. We don't need to spin our wheels. We need to just do the same thing over and over again. We have to ask God and ask ourselves in truth, be sober about it. What's different this time? How is this going to be any different? And when we find that out, we move forward in faith and leave the results to God. Here's one of the things I've found, uh, not just recently, but all throughout my life, and that is that people have short memories. And we are all drawn to the familiar, even if it's abusive. Even if the things that we grew up with that we knew weren't the best, still what? We know. You, you may have heard the phrase that it's better to you know, be with the devil that you know than the devil you don't. Um, 
the devil's never a good idea, friends, no matter how it is. But the thing is, there is this draw to the, the familiar. Now, we'd rather be in the problems that we have than trade them for new problems. That's just the way people are wired. And certainly that was the way it was for the people of God back in the Exodus story. Exodus 1 says it like this, The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless, the Egyptians were, in all the tasks that they imposed on them. They had been enslaved for 400 years. And Moses, God through Moses, comes to set them free. But they're not out of town, just not even a few days before they're ready to go back because they're afraid. So in Exodus 1 verse 22, it says this, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. And of course, that's why uh, Moses' mother hid him in a basket. And um, the Pharaoh's daughter finds him and asks um, to raise him as her own. And he grows up in the Pharaoh's house. And he knows all of the Egyptian rules and the, way, the ways of the Egyptian people. And then one day he actually kills um, a person. And so he runs, he flees out into the wilderness and he becomes a shepherd in the land of Midian. God calls him to free his people. And he says, well, who am I, God? In Exodus chapter 3, he says, who am I? I, I you know, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And God says, I'm going to show you how to do this. And I'll give you Aaron um, also to, to speak for you. Um, because Moses was a stutterer. He, he didn't feel ready or competent. He didn't feel qualified. But God called him anyway. And God's calling you for something that only you can do. You are uniquely made to make a difference in the world in the same way that Moses was uniquely made to make a difference in his time. There are things in your life that only you can do. Nobody else can, can do the things that God's made you to do. But as we look at our past, and we're trying to move forward, not simply repeat the past, we have to be honest about what's going on. Dr. Cloud says it like this. He says, if you left for a reason, you left for a reason. And if that reason is not gone, then you will be right back there again. Don't go backwards. And so the people of God, as they look back on their time of slavery, they didn't remember it correctly. When, when we get under stress, when we get scared, we want to go back to things even if those things weren't that great. I don't know about you, but this is true for me, and I, I think it's true for most of us, that humans, all of us, we have a tendency to romanticize the past. You ever have your, your parents or your brothers or sisters talk about that great Christmas or that great trip or that wonderful Thanksgiving or that wonderful summer? And you're like, isn't that the summer I got sunburnt and got poison ivy? It wasn't that great for me. We all have a way of sort of remembering things the way we want to remember them. So the scripture says this, the whole congregation of the Israelites set out and on the 15th day, the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, right? It's just, they're out in a little bit. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They're, they've just gotten free. And the Israelites say to them, to Moses and to Aaron, the people who actually led them out to help free them, they say this, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. Was well, that a true story? Oh, no. It's not that they're sitting around eating their fill of bread. Not at all. And, and they complain to him. They say, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And that same day, 
Uh, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people as well as their supervisors, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks. That's the real memory. It's not that they were sitting around eating all they wanted. No, they were being worked to death in terrible conditions. They just forgot that conveniently. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they've made previously. Do not diminish it, for they are lazy. Yep, they used to have to make bricks, but they had been given the materials needed. And Pharaoh's like, not anymore. You're going to have to go find your materials and still kick out the same number of bricks. And if you don't, we're going to beat you. We're going to hurt you. We're going to make your life more miserable. And the supervisors of the Israelites, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, well, they were beaten and were asked, Why did you not finish the required quantity of bricks yesterday and today as you did before? Well, duh, because you changed the rules and didn't give us any help. Then the Israelite supervisors came to Pharaoh and cried, Why do you treat your servants like this? Pharaoh was so ruthless, he would beat Israelites and Egyptians alike. He he would be abusive to whoever was in his uh, reign of terror. And so... No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. Look how your servants are beaten. You are unjust, even to your own people, even to Egyptians. So friends, this is what you need to know. Just because someone remembers it a certain way doesn't mean it's true. We have a a way of really romanticizing the past, making it fit the way we need to remember it or want to remember it. So as we look at this starting over, but not going backwards, there's three things that I hope that you will never go back to again. The first is this. Never again do anything that requires you to be someone else. Friends, you're perfectly and beautifully and wonderfully made. That's what the scripture says about you, that you are good. God made you and says you are very good. And just like David in the story of David and Goliath, he, he couldn't wear all that armor that all the other people wore when he went up against Goliath. No, he was a shepherd boy. And so he takes his stones and his slingshot, things that he knew who he was. And he was victorious and he becomes king. And, and the, the Israelites, they defeat uh, the Philistines, the big giant Goliath. But that's only possible because David was who he was. He wasn't trying to be someone else. The second thing I hope that you'll never go back to, that you'll never do again, is to try to change another person. It never works. I'm always super nervous when I see young couples and either the husband or the wife says something like, oh, well, you know, they'll come around. I'll, I'll, I'll teach them how to do this. You know, they'll get better at this. No, they won't. I, that's not my experience, that people are who they are and they change when they are good and ready to change and not before. And certainly not on your timetable. I don't know anybody that's ever changed on my timetable. Have you? Have you known people that have changed when, on your timetable when you want to change? No, it's a beating. So never again try to change another person. Never try to be something that you're not. And thirdly, never again believe that you can please everyone. Certainly, I've known this for a long time in ministry, but the last few years, wow, is that apparent. I'm, I'm really lucky if we can please 25% of the people at any given moment. You simply cannot do it. People don't agree on everything. People don't agree on much. And so, um, you know, if you can get a few people to agree with you, good on you. That's progress. It's very difficult these days. Um, And so the thing is, never again believe that you can please everyone because you can't. It's just not possible. Not even Jesus pleased everyone. Jesus told the truth, was perfect in every way, and they put him on a cross. So 
We just have to be sober about the realities of this world. But there are also three things I hope that you will do to start over. The first one is this. Leave your baggage behind. Will you say that with me? Leave your baggage behind. Because friends, if you're taking your baggage with you, you're not living in the present. You're still living in the past. And the scriptures in the New Testament says this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, we we leave our baggage. We're honest about what's there. God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us. We can let that down. We can forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have to carry that with us any longer. Yep. If we don't leave our baggage behind, our past will become our present. Will you say that with me? If we don't leave our baggage behind, our past will become our present because we're carrying it with us. The second thing I hope that you will do is to give yourself time. Give yourself time and space to grieve your pain and loss. Our culture is not very good at this at all. Many of us have had real loss in the last two years. Lost relationships, parents, spouses, children, jobs, opportunities, health, the ability to go do things as a family, graduations, family parties, the ability to see people that we love. There's a lot of grief there. And if we don't own it, if we don't recognize it, if we don't grieve it, then it'll come around and kick us in the head in all kinds of ways. And of course, if you follow studies at all, there's all kinds of problems these days um, with addictions and mental health and depression and suicide because there's a lot to grieve. There's a lot to lift to God and to really weep over um, the pain that has been in our world of late. So again, Paul, when he writes to the early church, um, he has the wisdom of God with him. He says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice, of course, but also weep with those who weep. We have to be able to do both, friends. We need a community around us that both rejoices with us, but also weeps with us. And then finally, third, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid and to stand firm with what you know God has called you to do. And also to watch what God is going to do for you and then to keep still until God says go. It's really important that we're able to to listen to God, be in God's timing and not be afraid. We can trust him because God is always working for your good. God is a way maker for his people and for you this day. So the scripture says this in the Exodus story that Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Now, the, now Pharaoh and all of his army is coming to them. They haven't yet crossed the Red Sea. And, and Moses says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Well, friends, if you had more than a thousand people coming to kill you, the last thing you want to do is stay still. But Moses reminds them of the truth of the situation. And that is that the Lord will fight for you. He fought for them and he'll fight for you. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. Because the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Now is the time to go forward. And God opens the sea and they go through the sea to freedom. And then when the Egyptians come in, God closes the sea. So the Israelites would be freed and unafraid. Never to be bothered by the Egyptians again. That's the story of freedom for God's people. David Brooks writes, My first six months as a columnist for the New York Times 
were the hardest months of my professional life. I'd never been hated on a mass scale, he writes. My critics were not only hostile, but effectively hostile, hitting exactly those tender spots that made me feel insecure, floundering, and worthless. The only proper attitude I discovered is love your enemies, just like Jesus said. Treat them as people who are in their own strange way bringing you gifts. Any other attitude, hatred towards them or fear of them, is emotional suicide. Of course, there will be pain in this life. We just have to own that. The path to healing is to move from your pain to the pain of humanity. Henry Nouwen writes, when you keep focusing on the specific circumstances of your pain, you easily become angry, resentful, and even vindictive. But real healing comes from realizing that your own particular pain is a share of humanity's pain. Every time you can shift your attention away from the external situation that caused your pain and focus on the pain of humanity in which you participate, your suffering becomes easier to bear. So here's the warning that we learned from Moses. And we know, if you're a leader, you know this to be true. When pressure comes, people will attack you out of fear out of their own fear, out of what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to my children, what's going to happen to my family, what's going to happen around me. And that fear makes people do all kinds of crazy things, and some of them can be quite horrendous. So in Exodus 14, the Bible says this, As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them right before they go through the sea. And in great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They were afraid. And I I understand it. I mean, of course they're going to be afraid. Uh, There are chariots and it's a huge army. And these people have no training. They have no education. They have been slaves for 400 years. They don't even know anybody who's been in leadership other than Moses. And he was in the Pharaoh's house. So, you know, they got to have some questions about that. And so uh, think about this. The people attack Moses for what they would say would be unwise, dangerous, miscalculated, and stupid initiative. Now, now, they're, now they're stuck. They've got the, the sea on one side and fair on the other, and there they are, sitting ducks, waiting to be overrun. And like, Moses, why'd you do this to us? I mean, yeah, life was bad there, but I mean, at least we were alive. And so that, that's what people do. And, and so you can hear their questions. There's three questions back to back to back. Was it because, Moses? What have you done, Moses? And is this not, Moses, is this not what we told you all along? And when pressure comes, everybody has these questions. You and I have these questions. But we can trust that God is at work, even when we can't see it. So they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, Moses, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. No, that is not what they said, by the way. That is absolutely not what they said. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. But again, they're not remembering the past clearly at all. So they're in these three angry questions, right? Moses' opponents utter the name Egypt five different times. So when we get afraid, you see how easy it is to just go back to what you used to do? Five times. They're they're not talking about God at all. They're talking about their past. They're talking about their fears. In their three angry questions, Walter Brueggemann writes, uh, a great 
Old Testament theologian. Moses' opponents utter the name Egypt five times, and it is the only name they know. The name upon which they rely, the name they love to sound because it's all they know. It's all they've known for 400 years. You'll notice that the name of Yahweh, Brueggemann writes, is completely absent. They don't perceive God as being in any way a pertinent, active member of the plot. Do you? In your life? When trouble comes, do you freak out and worry and say, oh, I got to go back to that other way. I got to go back to that old relationship. I got to go back to that old job. I know it was terrible, but I don't know what's going to happen. Are you allowing God in the equation at all? A lot of people don't. You might even say most people don't. We try to figure it out on our own or, or we panic or we freak out. And the scripture calls us to remember God is at work. God is with you. God is making a way where there seems to be no way. God is a way maker. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. So your action steps this day, friends, is first of all, refuse to respond to panic and romanticized notions of the past. People always try to take you back to the past when they're afraid or they're worried or they're upset. Just don't respond to it because it's nonsense. I mean, I, I understand that people get that way, but it's not going to help you. It's not going to move you forward. Starting over, not, it's not going to help you move forward at all. So look what Moses does. Moses says to the people these things. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch what God will do for you. And this is the story for the Hebrew people, this is their self-understanding that God is at work for them. It's a beautiful story. And that's what the Passover meal is all about. That Jesus gathers his friends around that God is still at work for his people. Then and now. Moses says this, The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Now's the time. Now go forward. Friends, we can trust in God's timing. And stay still when God says stay still and move when God says move. That's your next action step. We can trust in God's timing. And so there are times where we really feel like we've got to do something. God says, nope, not yet. Hold on. But then when God does say move, we need to move because it's for our good. And so why do we do this? Because we know the rest of the story. We know how it ends. And in Exodus 14, 30, it says this, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. From the Egyptians. When we listen to God, when we don't somehow romanticize the past or try to go backward, when we listen to God and we trust Him and we move forward, we, we stay when He says to stay and then we move when He says to move, salvation comes. God is at work for your good this day. And that changes the world. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a way maker, that you are a light in the darkness, and that you make a way when there seems to be no way. And when the pharaohs of our life, the, the threats and the enemies of our life come at us, remind us to be still, to hear your voice, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and to move when you say move. And we thank you that Jesus came to earth that we might know your love, that at the foot of the cross, all of us are equals in need of your grace. And we thank you that through Jesus, you have taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.